It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Baseball is back, and the Reds are poised for one of the best seasons in franchise history. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. We don't want to just win, we want to dominate. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, going to talk a little bit about some pitchers who we may have... I don't know if attached is the right word, but some names that we've come to root for over the last couple of years that their role is getting a little bit different this year based on all the different offseason moves. Also going to talk about some stadium atmosphere things from the home viewing perspective. We're going to jump into all that here in just a minute, but before we do, make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you're currently listening on. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Also, save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. That's kind of something that I've been neglecting to get to. And actually, tell you what, real quick here, let's get to a text message that I did see. This was from Chad in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Since there will be no fans in the stands, Chad says, this year, It would seem to me that game start times aren't as important as they would be with fans. In your opinion, what is a good start time or a good time to start a game? I like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. start time, so the game is over before 8 p.m. Chad, I appreciate that. And that's something that I'm going to kind of expand the topic a little bit on because... I I don't foresee a scenario in which we're going to be let back into the ballpark. I mean, that could happen, right? You know, we could have a change of plans and they allow a certain percentage of people to come back to Great American Ballpark. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, though. I'm kind of pushing off any thoughts of going down to the ballpark until next year. So with that being said, there's some things that come into play. Not having people in the stands, not having to worry about alienating families who need to get their kids home for bed or anything like that as far as coming to the games are concerned, yeah, you could, you could pretty much play them anytime. Like, the businessman special idea on Wednesdays and Thursdays and things like that, you could play day games on every weekday if you really wanted to. Like, I, I think I'd kind of be okay with that, to be honest. Uh, I currently work a third shift schedule on average. So really any time is awesome in my eyes because I'll be awake, I'll be able to see it, and I won't have to be at work watching it. But at the same token, I could see where a five o'clock start would be cool. I I, I, I like the flexibility that that gives them for game start times. But I'm also going to expound this a little bit because the Oakland A's, the Milwaukee Brewers, a couple of different teams have Pose the idea, and I haven't really approached this subject here on the podcast yet, 
but they are taking season ticket holders and making like taking their pictures and making cardboard cutouts and putting them in the stands to make it feel like there's a presence there. Make it feel like there's a fan presence. Now, I, I don't know what they're doing on the sound side of things. I know the NHL has this really cool plan that they've got in place where season ticket holders are recording little video clips or sound clips, and they're going to pipe that into the arenas there. It's going to be a little bit harder with an outdoor stadium venue, but I kind of like the idea of that. Now, it's it's hard to imagine how the Reds would actually implement something like that, but th- there's been other pitchers talk about this on Reds and on other teams as well, mentioning that pitching in an empty stadium is actually harder. They actually prefer a full stadium with a playoff atmosphere, plenty of fans in the stands, even if it's on the road, even if they're talking about hostile territory. They prefer that crowd noise. They think that it's kind of eerie if there's nobody in the stands, there's there's no crowd noise, and on top of that, you're you're hearing the random noises coming from the dugouts or you know, hearing every little noise coming from your teammates or coming from your coaches, all that different stuff. They said that's kind of eerie, kind of throws them off. So it'll probably take some getting used to for a couple of guys there. I don't know if that's necessarily going to affect a big pitch or not. I that that's remains to be seen. We'll have to see what that does in-game. But I like the idea of trying to create some kind of atmosphere. I, I think that that would be something that the Reds could benefit from. And I think we've got the fan base to do that. I think the Reds fan base is a very active one. Look, I know we, we haven't sold out Grand American Ballpark in a long time, but guess what? That's because they haven't really been worth watching. I mean, I love watching the Reds, but I'm crazy for baseball. The fringe fan, the average fan is looking at the Reds and be like, well, look at that, another losing season, who cares? We're not going to the ballpark. Now you've got a really good team. And I was even thinking about this too, and this is a real quick thought because this is just off the wall a little bit, but I was thinking about this, how fortunate, I'm not going to say fortunate, how ironic the timing is with all of this because we always talk about baseball teams in general, not even just the Reds, but baseball teams in general who have gone through periods of losing, periods of ineptitude where they weren't contenders, where their fans really didn't have much to look for, and how even when they first got good, whenever their first season, when they were back on the winning ways, they weren't selling out the stands. Teams like the Astros, right, when they really started their run for the World Series, they weren't selling out games. Some teams are outliers with that, but for the most part, the Reds would have been the same. If this was a regular season of 162 games, we're all at the ballpark, there's no restrictions, all that good stuff, I really don't think we'd be selling out a ton of games. People come to see success. So this is kind of a buffer year for that, really. They're they're going to be able to use this year, hopefully, what we're all thinking to be very successful. And then by the time we're letting fans back in the stands in 2021, we're going to be packing those stands. I, I think that's a really underrated thought process with this. Plus, I'm kind of a positive guy, so I'm looking at the positive side. Real quick, an update on the poll on Twitter, at LockedOnReds. I had a poll. If the season is completed in its fullest, who will be the best bat on the Reds team? 45% of people 
say that Nick Castellanos will be that guy. Coming in second is the man who was the best bat in 2019, Eugenio Suarez at 35%. Sorry, Nick Castellanos has 48% of the vote. Mike Moustakis with 7% of the vote and other getting 10% of the vote with most of the names coming in saying, Joey Votto, there are a couple of Nick Senzels actually. I I like the love for Nick Senzel. Everybody's thinking that he's going to be the guy this year. I, I like that thought process. Coming up here in just a minute, going to look at the pitching. Going to look at some of the pitchers that may see their roles diminished or altogether gotten rid of that we've seen pitch that we've hopefully, you know, we thought and really we hoped and we know how hope isn't a strategy, but we thought they could turn into somebody this team could look toward on the mound. And those roles are changing. I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. But first, have you checked out rockauto.com? Look, if you're looking to do some work on your car and amid this quarantine, wherever it is that you're living, whatever state that you're currently in, Rock Auto will deliver the parts to your door and they've got all the parts that your car will ever need go check out rockauto.com on the left side you've got this great drop down list of all the different car companies you find your car model then it has a drop down list of parts right there for you you don't have to know the name you don't have to know the brand you can just find the best price or if you're more car savvy and you're more of a grease monkey you can find exactly what you need because they've got a very awesome selection on rockauto.com. And like I said, they're going to deliver the parts right to you. You don't have to put on a mask and get out and go to the brick-and-mortar stores because the parts come to you at your door. Go to rockauto.com. And in the checkout section that says, how'd you hear about us, type in Locked On to let them know that Jeff from Locked On Red sent you. rockauto.com has all the parts your car will ever need. I'm just glad you guys are downloading and listening to the Locked on Reds podcast today. It's it's awesome to be back daily because we are that much closer to opening day at release of this nine days away. I hope you are ready and as excited as I am for this opening day. It's going to be a lot of fun with the Reds and the Tigers. Going to have Sonny Gray against who I'm pretty sure will we'll talk to the Locked On Tigers guy, Chris Castellani, next week. And I'm pretty sure Matt Boyd's going to be their opening day starter, but we'll talk more about that with him because he knows more about the Tigers than I do. Speaking of which, tomorrow on the show, Brandon Saha will join me from WLWT. We'll talk about the Reds and talk about some other stuff as well. He used to have the same producer job that I do on America's Truck Network. We might have a couple of stories there as we get ready for this 2020 season. And today we're, we're going to talk about a couple of pitchers, a couple of guys that I think we as Reds fans, or at least me particularly, I don't know, you guys probably think I'm totally full of crap when I say these next couple of names coming up, but I think that there's some guys who they, they've at least been put on to notice. You know, like when you're working on a job and, and you – yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't I don't know the situation, but maybe you get put on notice by your boss that you gotta shape up or get ready to ship out. A couple of guys like that, and and I'll explain myself as to why I'm thinking that way. But quick shout out to Jojo Jammer. Look at that, two shout outs for you this week, bud. He kind of had this idea with Josh Van Meter. Like, what's Josh's role gonna be? Because he looked like a young talent that was exciting and could really develop into something. But 
What What's it going to be in 2020? Now let's look at some of the arms. The first one that I'm thinking of, and this is a guy who I've been rooting for for years, ever since he came up. And I was so adamant that I thought that he could become a really good pitcher, a, a guy that the Reds could lean on. And he just hasn't yet. And he kind of had a rough year last year. And that is Sal Romano. I don't know if we're going to see him on the opening day 30-man roster. I know that he's definitely going to be on the taxi squad because he's part of the 57-man roster. But they they kind of went through the whole deal where they released him from the 40-man roster in the spring only to bring him back as a minor league free agent in spring training. And so you kind of look at that, and just from an objective standpoint, you look and say, okay, well, he's passed through all other teams, and now he's come back to the Reds. So I think a lot of teams are trying to see what big Sal's got. We know he's got a big arm. We know he can throw with power. It's just he has no control. And and when it comes to Sal, I'm a little irrational. Had that awesome game where he was pitching against the Tigers, and I'll look this up real quick on my favorite website, baseballreference.com. But looking back, this was June 19th of 2018. He pitched against the Tigers. It was probably, I mean, without looking through every single one of his starts, this has to be probably the best start that he's ever had. Or at least it's it's definitely up there in the top three. He pitched seven innings of scoreless ball against the Tigers, six strikeouts. He did have four walks, and that kind of goes back toward the whole control issues, but he only had four hits allowed as well with those six strikeouts. Just an absolute gem of a performance. But I remember succinctly, I was setting up above the first base dugout, you know, up toward the concourse. I think it was like two rows away from the concourse down there in the lower section behind that first base dugout. And as he's walking off the mound, he looks up and he's looking up into the crowd because everybody's giving a standing ovation because they know how good he's pitching. He pitched a, a masterful game. And that was a game where the Reds' bats were just on fire. They absolutely murdered the Tigers. They ended up winning 9-5. to five. It was funny because the bullpen came in and gave up a couple of runs. Well, that was 2018. We know the story behind that. But they were on fire. The Reds were just having an amazing game. And everybody was feeling it, standing up. For Big Sal as he walks off the mound. He's looking up into the crowd, and I swear there there's this open area in front of me for a couple of rows where there's nobody. And I'm standing, I'm clapping, he's walking off the mound. I tip my cap. Swear to God, he looks right at me and he tips his cap right back to me. There in that moment, Sal Romano and I were connected. So I got this connection with him. I, w- I wish him nothing but the best. I really hope that he can get back into the good graces with the Reds. It just kind of seems like he's really far down on the pecking order now. He's one of those guys. And when I'm talking about, we look at some of the guys that the Reds have moved on from, especially even just from last season. We're talking, I mean, the first two guys that come to mind are Jared Hughes and David Hernandez. How awesome were they a couple of years ago? And then how terrible were they in 2019? Before he was released, David Hernandez's season ERA had ballooned to 8.02. And we're talking about Wandy Peralta, who had been with the Reds forever. He'd been the, the lefty on the team, the specialist lefty. They got rid of him. Anybody remember Zach Duke? Yeah, nobody rose their hand. I, I get it. He was only on the team for a little bit, but they moved on from him. He did pitch 30 games, which seems really high to me. But, yeah, I, there's so many, like, games where he came in to pitch to one guy, he walked that one guy, and then they pulled him. It was just, ugh, yeah. 
they had Kevin Gosman. And, and, and it kind of looked like he could be somebody, but I think that he was going to make way too much money to keep him, so they non-tendered him. And then he got signed to be a starter by the Giants. So it's not as if the Reds were going to ever sign him to be a starter in 2020. So I, I definitely don't blame Gosman for moving on. But then the other guy, and, and this is a little bit more, I don't know about on the nose, but a thought that I had. The Reds kind of made a statement to Tyler Malley. They, they kind of told him, like, look, you've got a lot of talent. You've got a lot of potential, but we're going to go sign Wade Miley. We're going to shore up the depth in our rotation. And I don't think that there's anyone that would have been surprised to see Wade Miley in the rotation over Tyler Malley. Because Wade Miley is a very talented pitcher. I think he can be a very solid number four, number five guy for the Reds during his two-year contract that he signed in this offseason. Nevertheless, that's kind of a statement to Tyler Malley. Look, it's nice to have him with Anthony DiScalfani and Trevor Bauer headed for free agency this year. So you can easily see a spot where Malley gets plugged into the rotation next year. But had this been a full season, we're talking about a rotation that does not include Tyler Malley. A guy who... I'm not going to say he had as much hype as Nick Senzel did by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as pitching goes, there were a lot of us, I, myself included, whenever Luis Castillo was really starting to come into his own, and then we saw this Tyler Malley kid coming up, we're like, boy, is this rotation going to be Castillo and Malley, and we got this rotation for like four or five years before we even got to worry about free agency? This is going to be awesome. We got these two horses at the top of the rotation. Mally kind of hasn't made it there yet. And now that may be an overreach, and there's probably some folks out there listening to this, maybe, I don't know, uh, that, that, that are way smarter than me when it comes to projecting baseball players. And so they're probably thinking, oh, Jeff, patting me on the head, like, virtually or whatever, because nobody's here. That'd be weird. But virtually patting me on the head like, oh, you cute little Reds fan, you. He's never going to be any more than, like, a four or five starter. But even then, the Reds have kind of said, hey, look, you, you've got to – Work on some things. you got to fix some things. Yeah, you're going to be a piggyback starter kind of guy, a long reliever that if we've got a guy who's just struggling in these first couple of innings during the early part of this 60-game shortened season, then we're going to turn to you. But we're not turning to you to start the game. We weren't turning to you in the offseason when we signed Wade, My Wade Miley, and it sure didn't really look like there was much of a competition between Malley and Miley in the spring. So I wonder what his role is going to be moving forward. Because he seems like a guy that really wants to be in that rotation. But he's really got to show it. And he's got to prove it to the Reds, who went out and signed a free agent, to take that open spot in the rotation. I don't know. Maybe I'm off base. Let me know. 513-549-0159. Let me know what you're thinking. Is there a guy that I missed? I, I, I didn't say every single name. I'm sure I probably missed your favorite player that got it kind of pushed to the side over these last couple of off seasons. Let me know on the Locked On Reds line or on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But that's it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys in particular really kind of carve out a role for themselves. I, I'm not including guys like Joel Kunal or Matt Bowman in this just yet. 
Although Matt Bowman might be kind of pushed to the side. But Joel Kunal's still got a very full career ahead of him. I'm not saying that he's getting pushed back just yet. Uh, I'd like to see how further, uh, how much further his development can go. Because I think with Kyle Bodie and with Derek Johnson and with uh, Caleb Cotham, all those guys, he could really develop into a pretty solid bullpen pitcher. We'll see how that all goes. But that's going to do it for us here today. Now, make sure that you don't miss tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm really excited to have Brandon Saho on. It's going to be a lot of fun talking Reds with him, talking sports in general amid this pandemic that I I don't know. It, it's really kind of zapped the whole world into crazy land. We're, we're going to talk about all of that and more on tomorrow's episode. Brandon Saho from WLWT will join me. But that'll do it for us here today. Now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Major League Baseball, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.